Welcome to the UK Ravens podcast, the only official, unofficial Baltimore Ravens podcast from the United Kingdom. After the Chargers game, John Harbaugh told everybody to take the week off, and we listened, so let's find out what we've missed. Welcome back to the UK Ravens podcast. My name is Gaz Paul, and I'm once again joined by my friends who I met on the internet in the main, Ben Mortimer and Shane Richmond. Guys, we got told by John, everybody take the week off, and, and we just sort of listened, really. Do we have had a few people reach out saying... Where's the podcast? It's never how's the podcast, just just where's the podcast? <laughs> um, but we've had a nice week off. Shane, what have you been up to? Um, well, I was on the Cleveland Browns practice squad for a bit, but um, I've uh, I I had enough of that, so I thought I'd come back and, and join the podcast. Ian, have you had loads of people reaching out through Twitter to see see where the podcast is? Are we are we inundated with requests? Actually, no. One, two, maybe. <laughs> okay. um, which, which is a bit sad. We we tried a couple of times, didn't we? We tried to get together, but we we've all got busy lives and uh, new babies and and stuff coming along. So it just didn't didn't happen last week, and it it worked out well that we we could take a bye as well. Yeah, it's an exciting time. And Ben, you're in the country. Are you, are you in the country? I've, I've made an assumption there that you're in the country. Are we jet yeah. sitting around? Are we are we back on UK soil? No, I'm I'm here till uh, the new year now. I'm not going anywhere else, guys. So, uh, oh, so it's a real to tough that. life for you, Ben. I know. No, it's, it was a really hard month. It, it, it was. I was tired. I was I was really jet lagged for a while. So yeah, feel sorry for me, everybody. But uh, I'm back now <laughs> and uh, back on uh, watching games at six or nine or one in the morning rather than at, uh, normal times of the day, which I, I still find a bit weird when I go back to the US and watching a game at one o'clock in the afternoon. It's, um, I prefer it our way, I think, because you get to do a full day on a Sunday, don't you? You get to, in Ian's case, walk the dog. Uh, in my case, uh, shout at small children. And, uh, <laughs> and then enjoy the games at six. I'll be able to do both those things soon. So that's a, that's an exciting exciting times ahead for me. I was, okay. um, throughout the games, I was packing advent calendars, coffee advent calendars. Um, so I stayed up late for this one. Ian, you were running Twitter. Ben, back on, were you... In, on the, in the UK for the Chargers game, or were you still out there so could watch it at a reasonable time? No, I was, I was back. Uh, so I uh, did my regular season routine now, which I'm I'm not no longer ashamed to admit, which was go to bed, sleep through it, wake up at 5.30 in the morning, and then watch it, um, the entire thing, but without adverts. And uh, It's suddenly 7 o'clock and everyone's getting up and you've watched the game. So I'd, I'd, I'd recommend it. Although, yeah, as far as... If our game does get switched to New Year's Eve for like a late one or the playoff games, I will be there live and in person. But regular season now, I've decided I'm too old for that um, That sitting with a cup of tea and going on WhatsApp and stuff. I mean, we'll get into the, the New Year's Eve game a little bit close to the time, but I, I've planned like a whole New Year's Eve party. Well, I can't call it a party because it's not. It's just a few friends coming over. I've got my friend Brad who's a, who's a, a, a Dolphins fan. So we're going to the plan's been in place since the schedule came out. A few of us are going to get together, uh, watch the game. If that game gets moved, I'm going to be fuming because that the timings of it, cause it's a six o'clock game at the moment, isn't it? So it's, it's wrapped up nice and early. Uh, get on with it. Enjoy his New Year's. If that thing gets moved to 20 past one, that, that's going to be the worst thing that could possibly happen. And it, it's just going I mean, the, to happen, the one, though, the one night, The one night you, you justify staying up late is New Year's Eve. You watch Hooter Nanny. And then with Jules Holland, and then you and then you go straight into the Ravens game. It sounds great. It is going to be moved to the late game. If you look at the rest of the games that are on that Sunday, 
it's easily the best game of the day. It's going to be moved. I'm not sure but, it is, though, because in the late game at the moment, isn't it like Packers and someone else? That's currently Viking, Vikings Packers, maybe? Vikings Packers, but I think that one... I mean, the Packers might be playing for a playoff spot, but the Vikings surely will be done by then, won't they? Whereas they have the chance to, to have possibly the top two seeds in the AFC going at it. How how late can the change? Is it two weeks out? Would they have to make the it's only change? Six, it's only six days for week 17. Oh, really? Uh, for week 17? 16? Whatever week it is. So they they will they do it Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. Yeah, so if the uh, if both the Ravens and the Dolphins um, are winning even going into Christmas Day, it's looking like that game is going to be for the number one seed, isn't it? Um, it does look that way. I'm watching this very closely because I'm going to be at the game. So I'm trying to work out when I will be trying to get back from Baltimore to where my family is, which could be, uh, well, if that game is 8.20, it'll be finishing around about midnight, won't it? So I'll be really celebrating your New Year. Celebrating New Year in a car park somewhere <laughs> as, I, as I try and queue to get out onto the highway, I imagine. Uh, well, we'll get on to that game in a bit, but yeah, I'm hoping it stays at six o'clock for me. Oh, even just like the 925 window's fine. That's fine, although you don't want another one. That that takes us back to the Bengals and the, the fourth down conversion as this as the clock struck midnight. So uh, <laughs> the, the six o'clock yeah. game is, is definitely one to, to root for. But yeah, I think we are moving to the late game there. Anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's instead go back in time two weeks to talk about the Ravens versus... The Chargers. Um, Ian, me and you were up for this one. Uh, as I said, I went, I went through the night on, on a bit of a long night. And towards the end of the game there, or into the fourth quarter, felt like one of those annoying ones, didn't it? It, it did. It was one of those ones that you, you'd seen before, hadn't you? The, the the Ravens were clearly the better team, but they, they let the Chargers hang around all night. And it got to the start of the fourth quarter, and you just thought, oh, here, here we go again. We're, we're going to find a way to give this one to give this one away. Uh, luckily, it didn't happen. It, it wasn't pretty. It certainly wasn't perfect, was it? <laughs> no, it absolutely wasn't. Um, Shane, for, for once, I guess, in these sort of fourth quarter crunches, um, the, the defence stands strong and, and carries us to a win in, in this one, didn't, didn't they? Yeah, and the weird thing for me was, because I, I did the same as Ben and got up and watched it, the next morning, but I watched it in real time. I didn't, I didn't check the result or anything. So I was watching it unfold, but I never felt like they were going to lose, even though they were really bad like on offense and defense. They were fantastic. And I just thought, I think they can somehow cling on to this one. I just felt like they would, they were doing everything that they'd done in games. We've seen them lose earlier this season, but for some reason I had a weird, amount of confidence in them i'm not gonna i refuse to do that again i have no more confidence in them (laughs) but for that for that game i was i felt like it was going to be fine and it was thankfully ben how how are you through that fourth quarter because i know i'm not sure how shay managed to find any sort of uh, optimism or or thinking that we'd win that game having seen what we've seen this year and the colts game the the browns game Were, were you in a negative place yeah yeah, I mean, like like Shane, I, I don't check the score. I don't, you know, I don't even look at my 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 phone screen in its, you know, um, off position or whatever it is, because in case there's like a fantasy update or something. Um, so I was watching it like it was real time, and I'll be honest, when I got to the fourth quarter, I did 
forward through a few plays. And I was like, oh, this is, I'm, I'm not even watching this. I'm not, I'm just scoring, scoring <laughs> down a touchdown. And then, and, and then I realized they hadn't scored a touchdown. So then I came back to look at it because I, I can't handle, if it's, if it's not live and I know it's happened, I, I'm like, other people know this is a disaster. I need to see the disaster <laughs> or not see the disaster. Um, so I, yeah, I was a bit flipping up back and forth on that uh, when it got to the fourth quarter. Unlike Shane, um, I, I did have a, a, a feeling of doom. It wasn't total doom. It was just, um, uh, it was, I think it's because it's drilled into us so much from those earlier season catastrophes and also the catastrophes of last year as well when we gave away a lot of, um, a lot of the, what should have been wins into defeats. I think the difference that we need to get used to is that even when the offense splutters now, which is doing worryingly frequently, or it, it, it's finding that consistency of the performance. Um, the defense is not doing that as much because certain players that maybe were finding their feet early in the season, and we'll talk about this later, seem to have done so. So it's weird getting back to that mentality where we had in the 2000s where it was, okay, we've now got a seven-point lead, we've won the game, or they're going to protect this, or it's going to take a hell of a freak play, or a part of, a bit of brilliance from the uh, offense on the other side to um, somehow eke out a lead here. And so you... I think after the game, having gone back and looked at it again and looked at how well certain players stood up and, you know, Clowney with the strip sack and all that stuff, it's kind of like, wow, um, we actually have this legitimate defence now that we can kind of rely on when the offence isn't firing. And that's obviously the missing piece that you need to perhaps go a bit further. So, um, But yeah, to answer the question, I was uh, bricking it, Gaz. Yeah, uh, I think what you just said was it for me. I think it was the defense. I I just didn't feel like there was any way that Chargers team was going to put enough together to turn over that defense, even if they slightly uh, lost the plot in the fourth quarter, which we've seen from time to time. But I just felt like they had that Chargers offense number. But as you say, we'll talk a bit, a bit more in detail about the defensive performance. I mean, we can we can talk about the offense and the defense. This is a. Um, this is a momentum game with the Ravens and with what was it 257 left on the clock and Justin Tucker sails a 44 yard field goal wide. I, I, I'm in the shopping way field and Ian, I'm sure you were the same. You're just like, Oh, here we go. It, 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 there seems to be a, a correlation between Justin Tucker missing them and the Ravens crumbling down at the end, doesn't it? But the reason for that is, and I blame completely the announcers in the situation. Mike bloody Tariq <laughs> was like early in the game. The best kicker ever, Justin Tucker, and he sort of and he set him up for that kick, saying he's made a fifty-one, he's made a forty-seven, and from forty-four, and he goes, "Oh, he's missed." Like, of course, he did, Mike. You were talking about the same extent. There was there was definitely something going on with that kick, wasn't there? Because the, the the clock was running down. I think they'd already taken a delay of game on, on one of the previous kicks, moved it back, and he and he knocked it through. On on that one, they're all rushing out onto the field. They they weren't set. They snapped it with a second or so to go. Um, so I'm not really, people are going mad about Tucker having the worst year of his life. I'm, I'm not concerned about him at all. I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, I, I just think it's, it's far easier for Shane to be confident at six, seven o'clock in the morning than it was for us at half past three. <laughs> yeah. I, I was sat in bed watching it on a laptop screen at three o'clock in the morning, just like, why am I doing this to myself? And yeah. I think at, th- at that point, yeah, you just think the world's against you. Oh, that is true, and it's uh, Harbaugh said the um, the Tucker miss. They were having administrative problems with the kick throughout the game. I don't know whether he's under the impression <laughs> you've got to file some paperwork before you can before you get you know get someone to countersign the form before you can kick a field goal. I don't. 
they've done this before. I don't know if anybody has, has heard, but John Harbaugh used to be a special teams coach. <laughs> it seems like something that they would have had nailed down by now. So I don't know what was going on there. There was a little bit of sort of a little bit of side eye towards the refs, where he suggested something funny was going on with how they were running the the play clock, but he didn't go into any depth because he'd get fined, I imagine. Well, I tell you what. While, while we're on this, we were, we were, we were chatting about this um, before we hit record. Uh, let's just let's just talk about John Harbaugh throughout the game and um, him falling out with the referees over a couple of decisions and him saying that the referees didn't know how to use the clock and um, seemingly didn't know where the first down was. Ben, how 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 do you think John Harbaugh comes out of this game looking from some of the decisions made through it? Uh, not best. I, I want to be diplomatic here in case he's <laughs> listening. You know, I know he sometimes <laughs> drops in on me. Um, but yeah, he, the in-game management and the general awareness of the situation um, wasn't good. And obviously, he relies on other people telling this as well. But I was a bit dumbfounded by. Uh, obviously, we had two potential challenges for first down spots in the game. Um, second one, I guess we can cover separately. I mean, that was there was more confusion generally on that because there was first down indicated by certain people. Um, TV said it was first down, although the TV also had like a little small red line, which to me indicates it's actually fourth down because it wasn't showing a first down mark. And also the uh, chain, uh, the chain guys hadn't moved either. So um, that kind of also indicates it. But the first one as well, I mean, you saw on the first, re- you saw in real time that it looked like a first down. They showed the first replay within, I don't know, 10 seconds. Um, and it was a perfect side angle. Now, Ian, before we started, saying that other people are saying that wasn't that may not have been awarded a first down. I don't understand how it couldn't have been. It seemed like it was a clear, um, uh, it clearly reached and exceeded that first down marker. And at the time, it looked like a fairly obvious challenge. So, uh, if we can see it in real time and with one replay, um, I, uh, I don't understand, given where where they are on the field as well, why that wasn't challenged by Harbour. The second one. General confusion. Okay, can maybe understand that too. Um, but uh, and then he decides to challenge a ridiculous challenge that was clearly never going to work from seeing it live. So um, yeah, he just didn't have a fine game, and it's not necessarily a one-off. I think what well, my view is that Harbour is not in the top tier of coaches that actually has a, um, a a great grasp for the flow of a game, as far as challenging and also perhaps changing direction or asking his coordinators to switch it up or change things at halftime if things aren't going well. And this was a further example of that. Maybe I'm being harsh, but um, it's, it's it's not been his, his greatest strength throughout his coaching uh, career for the Ravens. Anyway. I mean, the first one, as you say, with we saw it on the TV copy, and Lamar's always been really good at this. Lamar, Lamar knowing where he is on the field. It was the first one the Lamar reach out when Lamar's went to the sideline. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's sort of looking at the first down marker, and as he's crossing the sideline, says, he's, he's, he's at it and just reaches the ball in front of it. It was like, it was clear as day. I don't know how that from the, I mean, it's, it's not a great outing from the referees either, but I'm not sure how that isn't marked as the first down. And then, you just you find yourself screaming at the TV, being like, and then obviously is that the one? Do we then go for it and fail on the fourth down on that on the first time yeah. round? Okay, so it's just it's just little annoyances like that from yeah, we went for it quickly, and, and and that's my other thought is that you thought oh, it might be a first down, but look, you know, we've been doing it all year, we've been grabbing these quick first downs with less than a yard to go, so let's just keep the time out and do it. And it's like, well, from that position on the field, probably worth the challenge, especially if you think 
it's going to be the first the first slam dunk and successful challenge there. So, yeah, and and the referees as well. Um, we've got a hit from Gino Stone onto Herbert. Ian, I've seen, <laughs> I've seen what you've seen what you're trying to do there. So, <laughs> so um, we didn't like that call either, did we? No, we didn't no, like that, that call. We, we? we liked it. We liked oh, it a lot, bit, but it was a terrible uh, call, wasn't it? Let's be honest. I, I'm just happy I've got over the the Geno Smith, not Geno Stone on the, the the show sheet. I've completely forgot what the play was. Ben was editing. I've had my sheet. win. Ben Ben was editing. It yeah, but I didn't, got touch, here. I didn't touch that. I noticed. And he was it, like, "Oh yeah, I'm going to leave leave that in for Gaz." Yeah, no, we liked that call a lot, but it was it was a horrible call, wasn't it? I mean, I don't I don't think you can blame Geno. I think. I think he had to he had to make that hit. I don't think it was it was malicious. Um I've seen seen people say it was it was late and it was out of order, but Herbert there, if he if he sort of takes a step back inside the field and runs into the end zone, everyone's saying, Well, why didn't you why didn't you flatten the guy? So ah, I remember the play now. I, I think I think Gino has to hit him, but he, but it was out of bounds. It was and, and how we've ended up gaining fifteen yards for that is beyond me. And then they messed up another one just after that, which should have been an interfering with a fair catch um, yep. in favor of the charges. Uh, another penalty that should have gone against the Ravens and didn't. The refs, I mean, it's always, it's one of those debates every year and it's always hard to tell, but it feels like the refs are having a shocking year. Like there's so many decisions in every game where you just think, what are they paying attention to? There's, there's seven of them plus video replay backup. And they get some really astonishing decisions wrong. Like you say, the Geno Stone one on Herbert, it's clearly a flag. Whatever Geno was trying to do, it was a foul. And then you look at the equally absurd one on Mahomes from this weekend, where Mahomes was still in bounds when he was hit, and they threw that for a, they threw the flag for a late hit. You can actually stop the replay at the moment when the defender makes contact with Mahomes. No part of Mahomes' body has left the field of play. And that's a flag. And we know, obviously, you know, they protect Mahomes much more than they protect a lot of other QBs. But the, you could go through a long list of just bizarre refereeing decisions from this season. What's been a really interesting change this year is in the first couple of years, the the referees that went off to the network sort of tried to like stay quite friendly with the referees and not and not sort of throw them under the bus at any point because they're in the same situation. This year... They're almost that egregious that the the network referees are coming in and be like, oh, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't know about that. Um, so it's, I mean, it's 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 an all new level of bad, and you, you've got to think in the off season. Uh, I mean, some something's got something's got to change here, but uh, and without d- delving too deep into re- referee talk, they're probably they're underpaid. The but why, they pay fairly well. But, but, what, 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 I never get that argument, but they're underpaid, not professional. It's like, oh, I'm only getting 20 quid now for this, so I'm going to just make a, I'm going to screw this call up. It's like, you know. They're, I, they're paid I, fairly I well, but I think they should clearly be full-time. I don't, I don't understand why it's like some high school teacher and a lawyer and uh, some guy who runs his accountancy firm or whatever jetting around the country every weekend and trying to have like they have they have all these calls that they organize amongst each other they're supposed to watch film together they're supposed to do quite a lot of of stuff in addition to whatever they do as their actual main job i think they should just be full-time employees of the league and then they could spend all their time watching film or doing whatever they think is going to help them make better decisions or maybe you need more of them I and mean, there's already seven have 15 
have one referee for every player following everybody around <laughs> at all times. And then if they get a decision wrong, then we can really come down on them. Remember that the year when okay. the refs were on strike and they had like the replacement yeah, refs, it was like the scab, scab <laughs> refs. We found worse people, everybody. Uh, it was. It was It was a harsh reminder. It was all the pre-season, wasn't it? And then I remember the crowds cheering when, you know, kind of Jerome Boga came back. You're like, this is bad. <laughs> 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 okay, let's, let's try and get back onto this game then. And um, I mean, I clearly can't remember anything that happened about it. It happened that long ago. So let's... Um, what what do we really want to cover here? Let's talk about the um, offense first. Um, Ian, let's come to you. We'll talk about Zay Flowers and his um, two touchdown game. Should he have had two touchdowns, or should he uh, should he should he have should he have slid? I mean, we were back on Harbour. No one told me to slide here. Uh, yeah. we're, we're spiraling. We're spiraling <laughs> back to Harbour. We are. Jamaican, aren't we? We, we, we should have covered this with Harbour. I think this one's on Munkin, isn't it? He has to. I think. Yes, probably he, he has to tell Zay or whoever it is that you get the first down and, and you go down there. Uh, it, it was great for my fantasy team. It got me some points. It was, uh, I don't mind it. I, I think it's fine because what it does do, people that don't follow the Ravens will have woken up in the morning. They'd have looked at the score 20 and te- twenty to 10. Uh, the Ravens, comfortable, good win. Probably thought nothing else about it. Had, had they seen 13, 10, oh, that was closer than I was expecting. No one, no one really goes into it and sees that you know the Ravens scored with with a few seconds left in the game and, and killed it. Um, I don't think the defensive guys were thrilled. They had to go back out on the field. Had something happened to one of them, I'm sure we'd have all been jumping up and down and screaming uh, if someone had got hurt. So yes, Zay probably should have gone down there. But but he's a rookie who is probably on some. He's obviously not on a huge amount of money. He's probably on some touchdown bonuses or yards or something like that. So I, I can't really blame him. The only thing I, we, we've got to talk, Gaz, about his celebrations. Well, I mean, Ian, Ian, I'm just going to bring bring up the same thing. You say that um, Zay's on some sort of um, incentive for touchdowns. I just think he had the, he had the celebration in the back of his mind. He was ready to go. He weren't he weren't <laughs> giving up another chance to it, to to wheel out the one of the flower celebrations. I what, mean, if. If he, if he had that first one in, in the locker, then he's got to let someone else know about it because it was like he was doing it on his own. Yeah, You've got yeah. to get the O-line involved. You've got to, you know, I think it was just him and Bateman that were in on it. And one of the O-line guys grabbed the bouquet because they threw it miles anyway. It was like some <laughs> drunk woman at a wedding, like chucking it. It was, yeah, it was, uh, Lamar had the right idea. That was a horrible celebration. I, I, I don't mind the... I don't mind the flower-themed celebrations because that's sort of like a brand he's trying to build for himself. But then to just bring out the penalty kick when you've scored a touchdown in London in Tottenham Stadium, you feel like that that would probably been the time to to wheel out the penalty kick if you're ever going to do it. Um, it was just sort of a bit, a bit off-brand. It, it lost me a little bit with the second one. The the first one, I, I, I don't mind the dropping of the flowers thing. I think that... That works. It was the London was the flower girl celebration. Is they're all wedding themed as well. So maybe the, maybe um, Zay's thinking about settling down early. Um, yeah, I like the flowers. Not 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 so hot on the on on the penalty on the penalty kick celebration. There just it, it didn't seem to make um, much sense for me there. He's probably been thinking about the penalties. He's been thinking about that since London. He probably thought, oh, I should have done it then. So it's like it's like when you have an argument with someone, and thirty minutes later you think of a really good comeback, but <laughs> you've already you're already on the train home. Um, so maybe that was it. He goes, "Oh, I'll just I'll just do it anyway because that was a really good celebration." And then, obviously, I won't get slated on the UK Raven podcast for it. 
here we are. Well, little, little, little does he know. He, he um, did quite well, though. The, the, the penalty? Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, I think what was actually going on was that he was putting a penalty past uh, OBJ, who was playing former England goalkeeper Tim Flowers. There you go. Nailed <laughs> <laughs> it. So the theme continues. And anyway, thanks very much for joining us on this episode of the Ukrainians podcast. I won't be back next week. <laughs> um, <laughs> that is awful. Um, okay, Shane. Instead of um, terrible England references, let's instead talk about Lamar Jackson. He was the fastest to 5,000 rushing yards. I assume that's as a quarterback and not just in the league. Um, is it important? Uh, no, he didn't seem to think it was either, really. He was asked <laughs> about it and he just said, cool, and then walked off. Um, John Harbour didn't even know what record he'd broken. I think John Harbour thought he'd broken the like an all-time quarterback rushing record or something something completely <laughs> wrong. Um but no, I mean, they, they're always, there's somebody who is paid to sit there. Referees aren't paid to be to work full-time. Someone's <laughs> paid to work full-time in NFL research and work out who's the first guy to get 3,500 passing yards, 2,325 rushing yards, and at least one TD with one fumble recovered on a Thursday in his first four seasons of his career or whatever, so that they can throw these stats up and we're all supposed to be impressed. I mean, like, first one to 5,000, fine, but <laughs> so what? Like, what difference does that make? I've got, I've got to admit, there are, over the last couple of years, this, this seems to be a theme that's getting... It's getting worse. It's like, oh, it's the first person to score a touchdown when he's had more than 60 yards in, but in four games since 1930. I'm like, yeah, what does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> in relation to anything that's important. Like, we just we are just sort of plucking stats out of the air at this point. Yeah, there um, was um, one of the Bengals receivers has just got the most hundred yard games by a receiver in the first three seasons of his career or something but why three why not two or four or like <laughs> what, what difference does this make there's just people just pulling random numbers out is it so yes yeah, can do really bad graphic representations of those very stats in their next probably they can get those horrible cartoon figures that they use to do something some stupid animation yeah it's awful um Let's okay. Let's instead let's talk about the run game, Ben. Then um, Keaton Mitchell. Uh, we're going to talk about the mid-season awards in a bit, and we think Keaton Mitchell might be nominated for a couple. Um, in your eyes, he's now firmly locked in as as RB one for this team. Um, I think he's kind of what one B. I, I, I don't know. I, I still would rather we we kind of lent on on Gus as far as the workhorse kind of guy. Um, and have Keaton as as the change of pace guy with a kind of relatively even split because I think if you start giving Keaton the uh, the lion's share, um, uh, you know, defense will get wise to it. They'll stack the box more. Uh, he'll obviously have less success. But I think the one-two punch works really well. I think maybe Gus was a little underused in this one, um, but I'd certainly put those two as the top tier uh, running backs uh, with Justice Hill a kind of uh, very distant change of pace type guy. Um, and obviously we brought him in and used him um, a little more in this game than we had previously as well. But um, yeah, I mean, his his numbers are ridiculous, um, Keaton Mitchell. So, I mean, you, you look at, he's averaging in that game anyway, he was averaging, how many yards was it? Like seven, uh, 7.1 7. yards 1. a carry. Yeah. 
um, on nine carries. So, um, but generally brought in in, in slightly less obvious rushing situations. Gus had a, a a far more tough time with eight carries, twenty six yards, three point three uh, a carry. Um, but obviously, you know, every time Keaton touches the ball, he kind of tries to. He just tend to make things happen, and he's got such elusive pace and, and, and turn of pace and switching direction so quickly that um, it, it doesn't make sense not to use him throughout the game. I think that that's the key. It's it's kind of not necessarily giving him twenty five carries a game, but making sure he has a share of carries as much as can be possible in each quarter. Um, you'd think as well. He needs a heavy dose in the fourth because as defense is getting more tired, he's potentially going to have more success anyway, um, busting out those big ones. So um, I think he's well established there in the rotation. I'd still put uh, Gus in as well as the as kind of the, the lead back, if nothing more, as well as to keep Gus um, keep keep Gus's head in the offense and and uh, without wanting to condescend the guy, make him feel valued because he deserves it, Gus, and and he he still does. Um, a great job of, of running between the tackles and, and, and getting those hard yards, especially when there's those first downs or those goal lines, you know, those sort of the first and goal and, and, and from the one or the two. Um, Gus is kind of the guy you want behind that line to be shoving it in there too. So um, um, I think we've got a really good uh, one-two punch there, uh, however you grade them. Okay, let's look at the other side of the ball then, Ian. Um when we've sort of we've sort of sprinkled it in over the um, review of the game so far, but overall, just an outstanding performance. And the main thing is is, is no fourth fourth quarter crumble. They were the the team that really that really stepped up and, and put this game to bed. Yeah, yeah, they did, and and they were outstanding the whole way through this game from from the start to finish. Um, and and it's all all areas again. It's you know we we worried before the season that. They they wouldn't have a pass rush. Well, they've got that. Then then we worried when Marlon went down and, and Marlon didn't play in this game, did he? That we were going to struggle at defensive back, but but they've stood up there. The two linebackers are outstanding. So it's just every, every level of the defense at the minute, um, and and just stepping up and, and and they really did in this game. Like you say, they 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 didn't crack in the fourth quarter when when they needed to stand up. They 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 got their stops. Um, I thought Mike McDonald again called a, a fantastic. Fantastic game. There was that that one play. I think it was a fourth down play, wasn't it? Where he he we've seen it before. He drops Madabike and, and uh, Michael Pierce. I think it is. So his two defensive tackles. He drops them into coverage, and he's not expecting them to cover anyone. But they're there just long enough that, that they block the passing lanes. And it's Malek coming from the from the slot. And I think Herbert managed to throw it away. He didn't actually take take the sack. He just about threw it away. And and poor Michael Pierce nearly intercepted it. He had a, he had a good go at diving and. <laughs> and trying to get it, but that that play call, especially on on fourth down, I mean that that play from Herbert, he just had he had no chance. It was it was just the perfect call, um, and and the defense was outstanding in this game. Shane, is is this the perfect balance of a few key players who are playing out of the minds, along with um, an, an amazing defensive coordinator in sort of the his, his first year in in the NFL and offenses. Not really knowing how to play your scheme yet. Is this, or, or, or is it, it? Is it way? Do you think this is weighed more towards how um, Matt McDonald's call in the game, or or the players that we've got out on the field? No, I think you're you're right that it's a combination because he's he's got some players who are playing brilliantly. You know, um, the the two 
Um, inside linebackers are having a fantastic year. Both Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith are, are playing great. Um, the older guys they've brought in as um, outside linebackers are having a great season. Uh, as Ian said, when players have have gone down injured, the players who've come in to replace them have stepped up and played really well. Um, but he also does a really good job of knowing how to use his talent and where to use it. And I think Kyle Hamilton is the best example of that. That He's just embracing his potential as a guy that you can put just about anywhere and get anything done. Um, so it is a marriage of scheme um, and the players available. But Mike McDonald seems particularly able to to work out what to do with the players he's got at his disposal. And he's doing a great job. Just before we get off this game, Ben, to finish off, I'm not sure if this all have come through on the, um, the copy that you watched, uh, but how do we feel about um, Gerald Everett? Um, tight end for the Chargers, busting out the Ray Lewis dance in the end zone when they're down 10 to 13, <laughs> 10 to 13 in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I saw that. Um, not, I mean, it's it's small town, small time behavior, isn't it? It's it's indicative of a player that's not really been there or a franchise that doesn't really aspire to be anything um, and kind of wants to. Um, I mean, basically, you're already down anyway, so I don't know what he's doing. So he obviously decided <laughs> to do it no matter what he scored uh, or you know, what the score was at the time he went over uh, over the line. But um, yeah, it's, um, you take it as a form of flattery, don't you? It wasn't a particularly good squirrel. I've seen better. Um, French Houston over there in, in Baltimore that we're kind of familiar with there. He does a great squirrel. I can try and put it on social media again. It's been a f- few years since I put it up there. But uh, yeah, it was four out of ten at best. Let, let, not, let's not forget Ravens fans. Let's not just let um, current events sway us here. Odell Beckham's come into M&T Bank before and tried doing the squirrel dance when he was with the Browns. So let's not... And then he busted out again in his first game with the Ravens and went on to do nothing. So there's a few people trying to do this. Let's not um, put on Gerald Everett too hard. Okay, well, let's was, go. That was, that was poor when he did it as well. But since he stopped doing it, he won a Super Bowl. So he learned a lesson from that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's do uh, Raven of the Week. Shane, I'll come to you first. Uh, I'm going to go with the guy I just mentioned. I think Kyle Hamilton, who was just... Brilliant and absolutely everywhere for that defense. Ben, who have you got? Well, I was going to go with Carl Hamilton, but now I'm going to go with Xavier Clowney because uh, I thought he also <laughs> had an outstanding game, uh, capped by the uh, aforementioned uh, strip sack and fumble recovery. So. I really told myself that I would have come to Ian earlier this week. And he, even when I started this, I went to Shane first. I went, right, I'll go with Ian next. And my, my, my brain just went straight to Ben. So, Ian, to, um, who have you I- got? I'm delighted because these two have picked guys that are really worthy, but I'm going to pick the winner this week. I'm going to take Zay Flowers. Zay Flowers. Okay, I'm going to go um, Arthur Millette. Um Got an interception and pretty much finished the game for us. So um, Played seven snaps. with the game, Seven important snaps, um, but mainly the game-winning play. And for someone who is thrown in there as, what is it, like a, the backup of the backup of the backup corner, um, how he dealt with that play... To, to finish the game was perfect. He, he's running, his arms up, he's taking all Herbert's view out. There's no way he can go. And then just we've seen many, we've seen many players, including players that are drafted in solely to do that job. Adafi OA, I'm looking at you, who would have just somehow ran through Herbert or passed Herbert there. Um, but he just he handled that blitz absolutely perfect to end the game. So and that's why he gets my Raven of the week. Okay, let's go into some bye week. News. Um, has anything happened? 
no, no. What, not, nothing no. to do with the Ravens. Really, is it? I, I, I'm sort of hanging on for the Marcus Peters signing. I might be on my own little island here, but you're, you're de- you've not seen the video of his effort he's been putting in recently. You're yeah, definitely, you're definitely yeah, on your. Would own. you want to play for the Raiders? It doesn't really? look like he wants to play for anyone. He wants to. He, he wants to play for the Baltimore Ravens, and I still think he might come back in in the in, I think before. Uh, when training camp started, Marcus Peters is on Twitter being like, oh, I really miss like, playing with the... Like, just open and honest, I want to be out there with my guys in Baltimore. Just bring him back. It's not exactly like we're loaded in the cornerback room. Anyway, um, yeah, bring me Marcus Peters back. That's that, That's the news I've been hanging on for. Seemingly, it hasn't, hasn't happened. Um, so, Shane, around the league, what has been going on then? Um, the Ravens are now the number two seed by playing no game. So that's pretty good. Yeah, so um, the bye week couldn't really have gone much better for the Ravens. Um, teams that uh, we kind of figured were going to win all their games or, you know, win most of their games suddenly started tripping up. So the Chiefs managed to lose a game, which was uh, not expected. Um, also, the well, the Steelers didn't just lose. They got absolutely thumped by the Cardinals, um, which helps tremendously. So at this point, it still kind of looks like if they want to nail that one seed, they've got a bank on winning all the games. That might not be the case as as things pan out, but it doesn't get them uh, doesn't get them the one seed in the bag quite yet. But it does make a higher seed more likely, so it gives them a much better chance of hosting two playoff games, say, rather than um, hosting a wild card game and then going on the road. Um, so you couldn't really have asked for much more, except maybe the Dolphins to have lost as well. But, you know, they do have a habit of beating up bad teams and, and struggling against the better ones. So that may play into our hands later on. We'll see. Yeah, so uh, assuming it's down to us and the Dolphins, which I guess we're the only two teams at 9-3, and three, so we can, um, as long as... As you say, we we have a good good run out. Um, that's what it's going to come down to. We've got sort of similar ish schedules coming up. Um, the Dolphins play the Titans, the Jets, so two games that they should win. Where we play the Rams and the maybe Trevor Lawrence less um, Jaguars, which is now two games that we should win. Um, I mean, we should win both anyway. The Rams are having a good year this year and. Um, the Jags, you know how this works. It's our turn to win this year, so um, that should be a game that we should win. On Christmas Day, as we have to go play the 49ers, the Dolphins get the Cowboys, so both of us playing in a potential NFC um, champion. We then play each other on New Year's Eve, uh, which, as we've discussed earlier, it should be for the number one seed. And then, just to probably annoy both the Dolphins and the Ravens, we finished with the Steelers, a divisional matchup that we absolutely should win, but for some reason probably won't. And the Dolphins finished with the Bills, a divisional matchup that they probably should win, but for some reason probably won't. So it's two very similar schedules um, going out, and somehow that's all going to mean that the Chiefs end up with the number one seed. And I haven't quite figured out how that works. Well, that's <laughs> the thing. The Chiefs have got the best chance of winning out because they've got a pretty easy schedule. Um, so if the, if the Ravens don't win out, if they beat the Dolphins, say, and then lose to the Steelers, um, they'll be ahead of the Dolphins. That's great because they'll have the same number of losses, assuming the Dolphins don't lose others. They'll have the same number of losses, but they'll have the head to head over the Dolphins. But then the Chargers will, uh, the, the Chiefs, sorry, will sneak past them by winning all of their remaining games. So that's the opportunity for the Chiefs. Although, um, they did lose while the Ravens were on a bye. It's the the Ravens. 
if they lose one, are behind the Chiefs in the um, in the tiebreak, which I think is is it. I'm not sure what tiebreak the Chiefs beat the the Ravens on. Is it divisional record first? Conference record. Conference record. But I mean, they're they're ahead at the moment anyway. And obviously, if they win all of their remaining games, they'll stay ahead. I so. mean, I think people are still because of just by default and by conditioning from the last two years, think the Chiefs are maybe better than they are. Uh, if you've seen many Chiefs games this year, it's Patrick Mahomes and not much else. Defense is relatively shaky. He has no receivers apart from Kelsey. Um, and his confidence looks shook as well. And his line isn't protecting him very well either. So um, it's not really a gimme. I, I said yesterday at this time that the Jags were favourites for the uh, for the one seed simply because their schedule is so ridiculously easy going in compared to the rest of the teams. But now it looks like Lawrence might be out for a while. Um, it kind of throws everything back into the mix. So, yeah, not you know, wanting to jinx us here, but you know we have an exceptionally good chance of at least the two seed going in. And I think the New Year's Eve game is going to be pivotal to whether we're one seed or not um, at this point. I don't think there's anything to be scared of in the AFC because there are so many teams that look great one week and then absolutely the bed the following week. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I think it's... And you're looking at the Chiefs here, I mean, you know, you've got... You know, the next one coming up, it's no gimme they're going to beat the Bills because suddenly the Bills are playing a bit better now. Um, and then they've got the Bengals, they've got the Bengals on New Year's Eve, which, um, you know, after last night, who knows? Maybe the Bengals will find some kind of resilience. And they're, they're always, they seem to have a bit of a grudge match against the Chiefs now, don't they? After those uh, playoff games, or playoff game last year. Um, so, yeah, it's no, I don't know, man. I don't know. I just, uh, we're, we're right in it, aren't we? And the Dolphins' record against good teams is significantly worse than than their performance against bad teams so far this season. I think the fact that it's in Baltimore is a is a big is a big big plus for us. Um, just saying, not getting ahead of us. I mean, there, at the moment, if you beat the Jags and the Dolphins, you can lose to the 49ers and still take the two seed, which, like I say, is a pretty good situation to be in because then you. You can you have a home wild card game. Win that, you've got a home divisional game, uh, and if you win that, then you're in the championship game and you're on the road. But you know, it's well, the championship you, you, game. You, you've got to be able you, to you get could, yourself you up could for be that. At, you could be at home though, couldn't you? Look, you could look, be, at, yeah. look yeah. at Ben and Ben and even Shane being optimistic. This is lovely. I'm just <laughs> I'm just sat back here just drinking this all in. One seed, two seed, sign me up. I mean, the, the the way the bye week has has panned out, it it leaves them in a, a really really good spot. I mean, you still you've still got to win the games. That's the thing. So you know, you're looking at the, if you want the one seed, and you're talking about being a Super Bowl team, you're looking at putting together an eight game winning streak. And what are they on at the moment? Five. So your total there, you'd be talking about a thirteen game winning streak to end the season, which is incredibly hard to do in the NFL. But um, um, you know. T- to just look at those other two schedules and the Chiefs have to play the Bills, which is always going to be a tough game no matter how they're playing because it's two teams that play each other a lot. Um, then they get the Patriots, the Raiders, the Joe Burrowless Bengals and finish with the Chargers, which again, it's a divisional game at the end of the season and the Chargers can, can do something there to upset them. The Jags, if Trevor Lawrence doesn't see, uh, his injury doesn't, seem to be as bad and doesn't miss any time. They get the Browns this week, the Joe Flacco-led Browns, we assume. Um, they then play the Baltimore Ravens. They then finish with the Bucks, the Panthers, and the Titans. So, yeah, as Shane says, it's the it's the easiest run to the first seed. Had Have they got um, Joe, not Joe Burrow, um, 
the guy who looks like Trevor an Aladdin character, Trevor Lawrence. It looks like some sort. Of, it looks like it's fallen out of a Disney movie. My <laughs> my, 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 my mind totally went blank there because I was trying to think about who's Trevor Lawrence's backup. There's a there's a pop quiz question. Anyone got the backup in? I've already forgotten his name. I actually watched the highlights and I've forgotten his name again. But he's no. a journeyman that was drafted in 2016 or 17. So <laughs> no, no the year he's drafted, but not not the name. So um, okay, well let's see how this all pans out. Um, we should we, we've talked about the Joe Flacco led um, Browns, Ben. We should probably mention this. Um, Joe Flacco, our, our savior, our Super Bowl champion. Ian's got his jersey hung. Hung behind him there, it's yeah. the white Baltimore Ravens jersey and not the orange or brown Cleveland Browns jersey. Has anyone watched the game? Did anyone yes. watch any of Flacco? I did. By the way, it's CJ Bethard or Bethard or however you pronounce it. CJ Bethard. That's, that's the back. I should know that because my wife goes by CJ as well. But she's probably a better quarterback as well. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I did watch uh, I did watch it uh, on Red Zone. Didn't watch the whole game, but it kept coming back and it was a weird feeling because whenever I see Joe I really cannot root against him even though he's wearing a Browns jersey I kind of have this uncontrollable urge to see him complete a pass or do well but then it's for the Browns so when he threw that touchdown there's a sort of flash of pride before you kind of slap yourself at the back of the wrist and go no it's the Browns they've scored but then they'll probably screw up anyway so let's let's Joe have his moment of, of uh, you know glory and, and once and I actually went on now I went on Facebook as well and and I'll be honest, I went and snuck into a, a, a Browns forum just to see what was being said. And they're like, wow, this joke, this is like the best quarterback we've had all year. I'm, <laughs> right, I'm right on the Flacco train. This is like the first quarter. I'm on the Flacco train. Wow, this is it. We're back, babe. We're back. And I'm like, you wait till the fourth quarter, guys. So <laughs> I came back in, checked it. They're like, oh, my God. They weren't really blaming Flacco. They are blaming Stefanski and everything else. But And, there, and there's already people saying, hey, man, don't knock him. He's like the best QB we've got. And I'm like, wow, this takes me back like 10 years. This is amazing. They're all like, in fighting over Flacco already. And it's only been... 50 minutes so uh yeah it was it was but i think it was his classic flacco it's like you, you give him time um he's so relaxed he's chill i think he came into this game thinking this is like bonus for me this is all gravy because yeah i didn't think i'd play again i'm playing an nfl game i'll just sling it around and see what happens and early on the line were doing quite a good job a little bit of a rollout cheeky joel rollout nice little obvious play action stuff and all that but it was finding guys open arm was still there that beautiful smooth delivery tight spiral a uh, couple of long bombs that he tried, one at the end that wasn't a good idea. But overall, it was, you know, he had over 200 yards passing. He had two touchdowns, one interception. It was classic kind of post-2012 Flacco. Well, sign me up for five weeks of Browns fans debating, is Joe Flacco elite? Um, okay, so it is the bye week. And what we usually do in the bye week are the mid-season awards. Ian, we do these mid-season and we do them at the end of the season. Something weird about doing the mid-season awards on the 5th of December, though, isn't there? Yeah, well, I haven't... We usually do this on Twitter as well, and I just couldn't bring myself to do it. I see... I think Sarah Ellison did it, and so I, I... One, I didn't want to copy her, and two, it's just, like you say, it's just too late in the season now. We're going to do the end-of-season awards, touch, touch wood, as soon, as soon as the Ravens get knocked out, eliminated, we, we get them out there, so hopefully this year we'll be putting them half after the Super Bowl, but... This is just too late in, in the year to be doing it. Okay, so let, let's fly through these, Shane. I'll come to you first. So we, um, we're going to start with the Lamar Jackson Award. So MVP, who have you got for the MVP? Uh, I think you've got to go with Geno Stone, haven't you? Uh, no, obviously it's, it's Lamar Jackson. Uh, uh, very, any, very any, pushback? any pushback? Anyone want to throw Geno Smith in there as an option? 
I might throw Geno Smith in there as an option. You <laughs> can, but he doesn't play I mean, for us. I'll, I'll, I'll be devil's advocate. I'll go Roquan Smith um, because you know I think that it's like the, the the normal MVP award. It always seems to be quarterback. You know, um, at the moment they're talking Brock Purdy in the real life NFL. You know, for God's sake. So um, I'm going to give defense a bit of love. Going back to that point I was making earlier in the show about having reliance on a defense, having a defense that you can actually place trust in for the first time in a long, long time for the Ravens. And center to that is the signing of this prolific free agent that not only plays 110% on the field every game, but also makes people around him better, embraces the Ravens' culture, and gives gives that unit some swagger, that, that playing like a Ravens swagger. So I'm giving it to Roquan. Cool. Um, the Roquan Smith taking on the Lamar Jackson MVP award, potentially, between Lamar and Roquan. Okay, Ian, the offensive player, which we um, sort of almost call the offensive player not named Lamar Jackson award. Who have you got here? This is actually quite an interesting one, this one. Uh, yeah, I think we're going to get some different answers here. I'm going to give this to Gus Edwards who I was just frantically Googling. I don't know how many touchdowns he's got this year, but it, it's got to be double digits, hasn't it? Uh, every time we get to the sort of one, two-yard line, hand it to Gus, you know you know he's going in. He hasn't had a stellar year running the ball, but but he's been solid. Um, and I don't think there's there's loads of outstanding offensive players, so I'm, I'm going to give it to Gus. Anyone got any pushback? Anyone got any others that they want to throw in there for the... This is this is quite a hard one because we're like I get Mark Andrews has won it a few times, but obviously he, he's out now. He's he's injured, so we'll get totally forgot about in any awards. Um, the the wide receiver's been sort of spread out. Like Lamar's doing a really good job of, of distributing the ball well. Again, the running back it's almost been a bit of a running back by committee route. Um, Anyone got anything else they want to push forward? Do we want to give it to Lamar Jackson? If Lamar Jackson doesn't get the MVP, does he does he end up with the offensive player of the year award instead? I, I think you could make you could make an argument. Sorry, I've jumped over the other two there. I think you could make an argument for Linderbaum maybe here as well. But outside of that, I'm I'm struggling. I mean I'd I'd, I'd maybe throw Zay in. He's been underused, but every time we have used him, he's been brilliant. Um he could obviously qualify for one of the other awards as well. But as I've already said, Roquan, then I'm free to actually give Lamar the offensive player. So for me, it would be a no-brainer to actually, if I've already given it Roquan the MVP, Lamar can definitely have offensive unit MVP. Yeah, I think that's fair because it's, Ian is right, there isn't anybody else who is sort of head and shoulders above everybody else on that offense. Okay, so are we actually going Roquan Smith MVP then? Is this how this is shaping out? No, Roquan no, Smith no, gets no. The MVP? I was the devil's advocate. I mean, give it to oh. Lamar. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so two awards down, both given to Lamar so far. We think. Well, um, no, I think I think Ian is probably right that it's Gus Edwards. I think if you Lamar is MVP, Gus Edwards is Offensive Player of the Year. I think kind of makes sense. I, I've I've just got the uh, the stats up for the team. Um, now what we are now fifth of December. I completely forgot that Melvin God had played for us this season. So I'm looking at here, like, Melvin God. I'm like, checking to see if I've got the right year. Melvin God had played for Kenyon Drake played for us this year. Uh, neither of those are in with a shot of, of winning the award. Um, Thanks for that. Clare, Clare <laughs> Patrick Ricard is like the only person that's played quite a lot. Um, yeah, we, we, we're sort of struggling to to nail anyone down here. So let's give that to, to Gus. Okay. Defensive player. 
I guess Ben, let's come to let's come to you for the start here. I've got a feeling where you might be going with it. Well, no, because I've already given the MVP to Roquan, so I'm not going to give that to him. Um, so for me, um, yeah, I'll go Carl Hamilton. I think. Yeah, I think he's just uh, you know it, it, you were with me as I progressively got drunker in Vegas when we drafted him, and I was excited then. Um, and last year, I think um, some people were initially a bit on the fence or weren't sure because he was simply learning to step up to the NFL and also learning a role in a far more complex defense that he had in college and under a, a coordinator that was trying to figure out how best to use him, as Ian said. And this year it's all come together and he's an absolute unit of, of destruction and, and intelligence. And if you need him in coverage, he's brilliant. If you need him to step up and, and make a tackle, he's brilliant. And he always seems to be one step ahead of the offensive player. I mean, he's just got this great instinct and he's got this size and speed that, uh, he's, he's kind of the yeah, perfect guy to to marshal the um, for the secondary. So uh, yeah, I'll give it to Kyle. Any pushback on Kyle Hamilton from the rest of the guys? I, I completely agree. When when we do this, Roquan Smith will win this at a canter. Madabikeo comes second. I, if Ben hadn't have said it, then I'd I'd have gone with Kyle Hamilton. Where I'm from, calling someone this is a bad thing, but he's an absolute weapon. I think that the, the Ravens have got t- two guys on their team that are that are all pros, Roquan Smith and Kyle Hamilton. I think I think that's it. I think they've got a lot of pro bowlers, but I think those two are a standout all pro players. Okay, I think I think I think Madabike should get a a shout out as well. He's been outstanding this season. So, mm. Yeah, Madabike annoying, annoyingly playing the best football he's ever played in a contract year and potentially. Playing himself out of Baltimore. Um, okay, um, the the Zay Flowers Award Rookie of the Year. Shane, back to you. Who have we got for, for, for Rookie of the Year? Well, yeah, you'll be surprised to learn. I think Zay Flowers is the man for that one. Um, <laughs> it's it's just so nice to have a receiver drafted by the Ravens and just hit the ground running and look like an absolute hit. Um, and he seems to be getting better as well, which is great. Any, any, anyone, anyone want to throw out any? No one for Trenton Simpson, Kai Blue <laughs> Kelly, Andrew Voorhees, maybe who's not even with the team as he's off injured somewhere. No one. Keaton agree. Mitchell. Anyone want to throw, anyone recently biased with throw Keaton Mitchell in there as an option? Saving saving Keaton for the next one, but uh, I think <laughs> I think I think Ian has, has made the, the, the I, argument. <laughs> I, I do enjoy how you've said Voorhees there, who's not even with the team, but then you yeah. mentioned you mentioned Kyo Blue Kelly, who's not been with the team since about week two. I'm going to mention them all. Remember the offensive tackle from Oregon we drafted the sixth round take of that. I'm not, I am having to go on that one again. <laughs> Anyone remember the name of the, the offensive tackle from Oregon in the sixth round? Salah. Malasala. Aumave Lau. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Sorted. Okay, surprise player. Let's finish this uh, silly mid-season awards up. Surprise player. Who have we got here? Brandon Stevens. Brandon Stevens. Any pushback on Brandon Stevens or any other suggestions? I think I would have to go with Geno Stone just because I, I think I did write him off on this podcast in in preseason and say that I didn't think he was up to the job of being a starting safety so I was worried about him um and he's uh he's no 
is he still leading the NFL in interceptions, or has somebody overtaken him now? Either way, I think, he's... I think he's leading in general INTs. There's another guy. I think the Cowboys guy's got um, a record number of pick sixes this year, but I think okay. he's still leading the number of interceptions. Um, but yeah, that is. Uh, I I am definitely surprised about that. Um, um, I'll, I'll push back with Keaton Mitchell because I just said I would in the last one, and uh, I think that if you're talking about uh, um, surprises, um, you know, Gino, we already knew was a bit of a baller anyway, although he's exceeded himself this year. And Brandon Stevens was certainly progressing nicely last year, but I'd agree with Ian that he's been absolutely outstanding. He's basically turned into a shutdown player from a fringe player or a utility player. Um, but talking about pure surprise, um, you know, obviously there were people in the preseason that thought Keaton Mitchell was it. But there's every year you get, um, you know, people think like Randy Himes was it, um, but he, he wasn't. <laughs> Just a spoiler alert for those that haven't watched the 2008 and stuff. Um, but Keaton Mitchell has come in and actually uh, proven that he's the real deal and has blown people away. And he's blown what number one defense is away with his speed and his turn of pace and his ability to find and punch through a hole and his tenacity and actually scoring touchdowns to be productive. So um, I would say uh, for me, it would be Keaton because he was yeah. an undrafted rookie. Keaton Mitchell's a good one. Gina Stern's a good one. Brandon Stevens probably should have a mention, but we didn't think that moving him up to a starting corner play as well as what he's doing. Uh, there's a few actually surprising players. As we, as we mentioned when we talked about the defense, with is it the players on there or is it the scheme? Did anyone else have Cal Van Neudown to be a a, a, a a big player in this defense? One of us sort of as, as best pass rushers. Um, only two sacks in the season, which is a lot lower than what I thought it was going to be, honestly. Unless I'm reading this wrong. Am I reading this wrong? Yes, he has six. So, <laughs> so ignore that stat, ladies and gentlemen, because that was incorrect. What you're um, reading is the things divided by three website. Uh, <laughs> 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 I mean, ESPN, I just can't read, but that's the problem. It's not, it's not the content on the website, it's the it's, it's user error. Um, do we want to... Do we want to Try and nail down and pick one for surprise player. Keaton Mitchell, Gina Stone. Do you want to see him fight today? I'm going to give it to Keaton Mitchell because I haven't butchered his name yet. So it'd make my life easy if we go Keaton Mitchell, honestly. I think that's fair. I mean, he's, you know, again, I don't think anybody expected him to, to do what he's done. I don't think you could argue against that. Rory's going to be furious with that decision, but there it goes. Off to Keaton Mitchell. Right, okay, let's get on to the upcoming game then, but we can't do that before we visit our favourite corner. I'm, of course, talking about History Corner. A Richmond History. Yeah, that's right, we've got the Rams uh, this week. I always say when it's uh, an NFC team that we only face them once every four years, but the uh, extra game added to the schedule has messed that up for the Ravens. They've actually played the Rams um, three times. This will be the third time since 2019. Um, but in all of the games against the Rams, they've had eight in, in uh, Ravens history. The Ravens are five and three all time. Uh, in all of those eight games, they've only ever been to Los Angeles once um, because the Rams were in St. Louis for the first... 15 years or so of uh, of the Ravens' existence. So they didn't have to worry about traveling all the way over to LA. They've only actually managed to do that um, the one time. Um, 
the Rams have moved around a little bit. So you may have come into the NFL when they were in St. Louis. Um, before that, they were in LA, which is exactly where they are now. Uh, and that's where they were when I came into the NFL. If you're incredibly old, um, if the, we've got any listeners who are sort of in their 90s, uh, then you might remember them when they were the Cleveland Rams, uh, which is actually where they started. Um, and they gave up and, and went west because they were having trouble competing with the Browns. The Browns were so popular because of Paul Brown that they didn't think that Cleveland could stand two NFL teams and they decided that they were going to try their luck by going west, which the NFL at the time was not particularly enthusiastic about. Um, they didn't really think the league would necessarily work going all of that way, but um, uh, the Rams managed to convince them, but not before actually winning their first NFL championship, um, which they did as the Cleveland Rams in 1945. Uh, they won um, 15-14 against Washington, uh, and they won with a safety. Now, I'm going to ask you if you can work out how they scored this safety, because um, the way in which the safety was scored the, after this game, the NFL changed the rules so that nobody has ever been allowed to score a safety this way again. Uh, and then not long after that, they made it impossible to score a safety this way. Can you guess how Washington managed to score the safety that gave the Cleveland Rams the NFL championship? It is ridiculous. So if you think ridiculous, you'll, you'll be in the right sort of area. Did they... Oh. No, I don't pick know. up the quarter. No, that's not right. No, pick up the quarterback from twenty yard line, carry him, and throw him into the end zone. No. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty ridiculous. But, but no, they didn't do that. Um, so uh, the Washington quarterback dropped back to throw, threw his pass, and in those days, the goalposts were on the goal line. They weren't at the back of the end zone. Um, his pass hit the goalposts and bounced out of the back of the end zone for a safety. Um, which the NFL realized was fairly ridiculous. So they changed the rule to make that an incomplete pass rather than a safety in future, uh, making Washington the last team to to lose a game or even to score, so to concede a safety in that method. Uh, and then, as I say, it wasn't long after that that they realized all of the people running into the posts and piling up against the posts and stuff. It was maybe a silly idea to have them on the goal line. So they moved them back uh, to the back of the end zone. Um, they moved to LA and this is probably where the biggest thing in Rams history happened. Um, at the time when they went to LA in 1946, uh, the NFL had been uh, operating a color bar since 1933. Black players were essentially banned from playing in the league. And this was uh, never written down anywhere. The owners all kind of denied it, but just coincidentally for 13 years, none of them played any black players. Um, but when the Rams moved to L.A., they wanted to play in the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. And the black newspaper in L.A. said that since the L.A. Memorial Coliseum was owned by the city, it would be unreasonable to have a team that was operating, basically a segregated team, playing in the city stadium. Uh, and they made this case um, to City Hall in L.A., who agreed with them and told the Rams that they couldn't play there unless they uh, had at least one black player. So they added just one, um, Kenny Washington. Not long after that, they did have a second one in the form of Woody Strode. And then they were followed not long after that by their former rivals in Cleveland because Paul Brown really didn't care what color his players were. He just wanted the best players he could find. So he added a few black players as well. And at that point, 
the NFL owners had to cave in, with the exception of the man who owned Washington, uh, who held out and kept his team white until he was literally forced to integrate it by Robert F. Kennedy, um, who basically told him that the team wouldn't be allowed to play in D.C., uh, unless he integrated his team, which he finally did in the early 1960s. So that was probably the Rams' biggest thing. They then went on and won another NFL championship in 1951. They didn't win their first Super Bowl, however, until they were playing in St. Louis, which was their third city. Um, so I think, I haven't actually checked this, I think they are the first team to win titles in three different cities. And then for good measure, they went back to LA and won another one in uh, 2021. So um, they're now up to uh, four of these. The last time the uh, Ravens and the Rams played each other was a pretty grim one. A certain uh, Odell Beckham scored a game-winning touchdown. Uh, It was right at the end of the 2021 season. Tyler Huntley was quarterbacking the Ravens. The Rams won it 20 to 19. Uh, Hopefully, Odell Beckham will find himself in the end zone again this Sunday. But for the right team this time. Now, bloody with season, the Rams, that's bloody as well, season. am I correct in saying that I'm not 100%? Isn't that the team that uh, Carol Rosenblum swapped with Robert Ursa? Um, yes. When he moved out west. So there's the Baltimore connection. So then Baltimore got stuck with Ursa. The Rams got Rosenblum, who then I think it was his wife, Georgia, Georgia Frontier, that took over as owner. Um, so there's your link. And so you've got him to thank and the Rams to thank for. Um, that whole thing that we talked about with the Colts as well. Yeah. Well, we took a we, we we took a wrong turn on the way back from History Corner. Ended up on Ben's History Boulevard for a second. Then, okay. Let's talk about this uh, modern version of the Rams and not that oh, God twenty twenty one game um, with Tyler Huntley. Um, okay, the Rams. Then let's talk about these Los Angeles Rams. Um, were three and six. Um, have come off a three-game winning streak to get back to six um, and six, including two straight wins of at least 17 points. I know that off the top of my head, I'm not reading from a website. Um, we're now coming to Baltimore to play the Ravens in, f- apparently for the West Coast teams, the dreaded 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific time zone. It makes it feel super early for them. Here's what I hate as a Ravens fan. The Ravens open as 7.5, seven, seven and a half point favorites. Hate that as a Ravens fan. <laughs> hate that, hate that, hate that. Um, what are we expecting from this team, Ian? Let's come to you first. A, a Rams team that um, are on a bit, a little bit of a hot streak. They've just taken down, um, our, our, our old leader in, in Joe Flacco and the Cleveland Browns. A, a harder game than, we may be giving them credit for at this point, or should the Ravens have a comfortable little win here? Uh, that that seven and a half points is... I, I'm with you. I don't love that. But the Ravens have got everything in their favour. They're, they're coming off the bye. They're at home uh, against a team that's got to travel across the country and, and play in that, that time slot that they don't like. Saying that, I think the Rams are, are better than, than people are give, should, have been giving them credit for. Um, I think Stafford's getting healthy he's been he's been banged up a little bit he's getting healthy and and when he's got all his weapons around him they've they've got some people that can hurt you they've got this this rookie receiver who can occur who's who's going off every, every week uh cooper cups obviously there as well and and they've got the running back as well that's that's been a, a, a bit of a fantasy star so they've they have got weapons that will hurt you 
Aaron Donald on the defensive side of the ball is is always going to be the focus. Um, so I think this this is a team that could give the Ravens problems. Uh, I I just think, as I say, the Ravens have got everything in their favour. Harbaugh coming off a bye is usually very good. Has has the team prepared? So I I think the Ravens win this one, but but I think the Rams are better than than people think. And the, the Rams at what was um, three and six. Uh, like I'm really in the thick of it in the NFC as well. I've not, I very rarely sort of go over to that to that that side of the conference and, and see what's going on. But the Rams at six and six currently sit eighth, so they're tied with the Packers and the Vikings, who sit in the sixth and seventh wildcard spots. So if the Rams, the Rams go on a bit of a run, it's not like the we're going to play a team with with nothing to play for. We played the Seahawks, which were meant to be the hot team in the AFC and the Rams are actually ahead of the Seahawks in the standings at the moment. So this isn't, this isn't by any means, um, Shane, a walkover. This is, this is a Rams team that's going to, that's going to come here and, and really want to win this one. And that, that's ridiculous to say that about an NFL team. Of course they want to win, but there's actually, there's actually something to play for here. Yeah. If you're looking at, um, DVOA as a way of just ranking these teams, and it's that's the advanced analytics approach. Um, then the Rams have got the ninth best offense by DVOA, so they're a top ten offense. Um, yeah, and defense twentieth, so not great. Um, but they're facing what is the number one defense. So, in another example of how this was a good bye week for the Ravens, the Ravens' defense actually moved up a spot to become the number one defense on DVOA. Um, they had the advantage of nobody scoring any points or getting any yards against them but they had played the same number of games as everybody else they had just been um behind i forget who they were behind actually but um uh they they were number two and they've moved up to number one so you you know i agree with ian you should say um that the ravens defense should be capable of handling this offense which is better than people think it is my worry a little bit would be that this offense goes as the offensive line goes and the offensive line has been kind of up and down. Um, when Lamar was under pressure against the Chargers, he looked really lost. I mean, he was two for 12 uh, for 18 yards when he was pressured by the Chargers. Uh, he was 16 for 20 for 159 in a TD when he wasn't pressured. Um, we saw, you know, Ronnie Stanley had really possibly his worst game as a Raven. And in the 2019 season, Ronnie Stanley gave up six quarterback pressures. Against the Chargers, he gave up six quarterback pressures. So as many as he gave up in the whole of the 2019 season, the rest of the offensive line gave up seven. So Ronnie Stanley gave up half of them. If you're looking at game film and thinking the weak spot here is the left tackle, that's normally bad news for the team that you're playing against. So this offensive line, we've got to hope that Stanley has got better um, over, um, his, you know, I don't mean that he's improved. I mean that his health has improved. <laughs> that he's got better injury-wise uh, over the bye, um, because that will make the difference. And I kind of think I'm, I've still got no better way of judging this team than going with this kind of TikTok rhythm of theirs. That one week they play brilliantly, and the next week they're a little bit ropey. They were a little bit ropey against the Chargers, so I'm expecting them to play really well in this one. Shit, have you just come? Have you just come back to Foz's model of how to predict Ravens games? I think that's, that's the it's, best. It's the best <laughs> approach that I've got, and we're we're now what, what is this week thirteen Cooks, or something? Love of God, please just bin this. Just get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> There's normally a point at which you're just like, okay, I know what this team is now. I know who they are. 
I, I'm still not confident that I know who they are week to week. But so I'm, I've got no better guess than the offensive line was bad last time. I think they'll have sorted it out this time. Well, let's hope so, Ben, because we've got um, a quite quite a big challenge coming with the um, Rams defensive line coming to town. So we really need a good game out of Ronnie Stanley with um, what has, has always been seen as probably the, the NFL's best defender coming into town. Yeah, he's not you know, the the same Aaron Donald that you know, won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, but he's still really effective and you still have to put probably a couple of guys on him um, to... Uh, to keep him in check, but um, you know, looking at, uh, yeah, I agree with with everyone basically <laughs> as far as, as this weekend, and that, uh, and I hate to go to this sort of uh, flip flop, uh, uh, good one week, bad the next, but it has been, it, it does exist, it, ha- it has happened this season. You can't really ignore it. the The thing we've got going for us as well, though, is the fact that we are um, historically very good coming off the bye. Um, I, I don't know what I, there was a point where we were whatever it was and oh I think we might have lost one off the bye since then but only one um, generally uh, this team uh, Harbour handles the bye very well and he always has them prepared to come off it fresh and ready rather than rusty so I think the combination of that with the early kickoff that is a thing as well coming across uh, to the other coast um, and the fact we're at home um, and hopefully the offence uh, have been able to spend that time wisely by a, practicing, and B, looking at what they did wrong in the last one to be sharp. You're playing a team that are a middling defense. They're 15th against the pass and 16th against the run. I think it's important that we get the run game going early. And often it sounds obvious, but um, if we can start dominating the trenches there, that would be a big help. Um, I do agree as well, though. I'm more worried about the Rams' offense this week. I just think that they are... Um, I did watch quite a lot of the... Um, Cleveland game and I watched the previous week's Rams game quite a bit as well and um, Stafford is looking a lot more comfortable and Cup's back now I mean he was out injured for most of the season he came back about three weeks ago and every week he looks a little bit better and now he's like the number two guy it's really weird because Cup's been the, you know, the lead receiver there for ages but what you have there is that you know whereas Nakua may well be smothered and covered this week that leaves space for Cup to get underneath and find those little pockets that he's so good at doing and He's my main concern, I think, this week going into it, but not overly. Um, and I think, um, you know, it is a middling defence. So as long as we can um, get our act together from the off, this should be a Ravens win. Okay, let's pick it then. Uh, Shane, let's come to you first. So I am going to stick with, I'm going to put my faith in this completely random. Uh, coin toss approach that I've got, which is bad one week, good the next. They are due to be good. Uh, therefore, I'm going Ravens 34, Rams 20. And I am going to say Odell Beckham gets 100 yards and two TDs against this former team. Okay. Ian, what have you got? Yeah, I'm, I'm going for a win as well. I actually like the matchup against the, the the Ravens' offense against this defense. Um, I think the strength of the the Ravens' offensive line is the interior at the minute, which which is strange. I think Zeitler's playing out out of his mind next to Linderbaum, and all the the Rams' pass rush comes from Donald and Turner, stri- sort of straight up the middle. It's not it's not a Garrett or a Watt coming off the edge or a Khalil Mack who's going to terrorize Ronnie Stanley. So I actually like that matchup. Um, 
I think the Ravens win this one and I'm going big as well. I'm going 38-23 and it's been a while. I'm going to call a Jackson 5 in this game. Jackson 5. Okay. Ben, what have you got? Um, wow. Well, that's some extreme optimism from both of you guys, which I hope comes to fruition. I, th- I think that the Ravens, again, I, I, I'll just go back to what I just said. I think they will be up for it off the bye. I think the, the home the home crowd and the early start works in our favour. Um, so I think they'll come out and, and play a good game. I think also they need to appreciate that this is a must-win game. Um, talking earlier on about the seedings, this is arguably one of our easier on-paper games that we really have to win because I'm not, even though we don't have a backup to play, even though we don't, maybe don't have Trevor Lawrence to face in Jacksonville, I just got an inherent fear of going to Jacksonville and losing. And I think San Francisco we will. So this is a, a must-win. So um, for all those factors, I will also go Ravens win. Um, go a bit lower, I think, on the score though. Um, I'll say defense will have a good day. I think they'll score one touchdown and a couple of field goals. So I'll say 27-13 uh, Ravens. Um, I'll say that Keaton Mitchell will have a 100-yard game and a touchdown. Across the board, we are all predicting... Oh, this Massive win. There we go, it does work. <laughs> <laughs> this is part of, this is part of a, a bigger project I'm planning for the off-season, so I'm also going to go ahead and predict a... Massive win. So I'm going to go... 34-13, and I'll go for the Ravens' defence to get in the end zone twice in whichever way they choose to do so. But I think we're going to have the um, a, a real a real party for the defence. Of, With on, the ball, just right? to, Yes. <laughs> 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 well, yes, I would assume so. so I've um, seen them pray there beforehand, so I'll just count. <laughs> um, yeah, this should be a, the start of the... Um, the, the winter run, the football matters runs. Nothing matters after Thanksgiving. Let's let's start this by um, solidifying the spot as the number one defense in the NFL and start a run towards the playoffs with a big win over the Rams. Who are going to be a little bit sleepy because they're playing three hours before they want to play or something to do with time zones in the US, which I'm not going to pretend to know or care about. Um, okay. Where are we all watching the game? Shane, where are you watching the game on Sunday? Uh, I think I'm going to be watching it on my sofa. Oh, yeah. Ben, where I'm are you on, watching? I'm on Twitter duty, so I'm... Uh... Where are you watching the game on Sunday? Uh, I don't know at the moment. I'm, I'm probably going to be at home, but I am flirting with the idea of going to Manchester, but I'm not sure I can swing that. So, um, a game day decision, Gad, where are you, where are you watching it? Well, I'll first come to Ian. Ian, where are you watching the game <laughs> on Sunday? London, baby. London for the UK Ravens Christmas due, which I will also be attending. What have we got on here? We've got four. We've got uh, one in Manchester, one in London, yep. Yep. one in Bristol. Yep, one more. Come on. One in Glasgow. <sighs> Newcastle. No, you're not You're not close. You're not even no. close. Sorry. Midlands, Birmingham. 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 Um, how ticket, do we know how tickets are going? I'm putting you on the spot here again. I, I know exactly how tickets are going. Oh, there we go. I, I knew you were going to come to me, so I pulled it up. They're, they're all they're all well well populated. So uh, uh, Manchester, there's 20 signed up for at the minute. Uh, London, there's just over 20. Birmingham's 10. It's a slightly smaller venue, but they have got room for a few more if anyone wants to sneak in. And Bristol, again, just over 20. So they're all they're all doing pretty well. Cool. Decent yeah, you're going to London. For- I'm going to go down to the Big Smoke with my mate Ian and um, 
it's become a bit of a yearly tradition now. I think I've done like the last three um, Christmas parties in London. Um, so it's turned into it's quite the night. But was it last year, Ben, that you came down for thirty five minutes? Or was that the, the year before? It was two years ago when I came down for thirty five minutes, got COVID off the shared game and and then ruined Christmas. So yeah, so I did that. And, um, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll carefully consider my options because my, my in laws are coming for Christmas as well in a couple of weeks. Well, if you're not already signed up to a meetup and you're listening, um, there's still time. There's still tickets, as Ian says. It'll, there'll be there'll be a lot of good fun. So come along. We're, I'm looking forward to getting back into Belushi's and sort of reliving a few of those London memories from this year. So um, looking forward to a good weekend. Anything else before we get out of here, guys? Have I missed anything? Oh, look at this. We're getting good at this now. We're getting what, nearly 90 episodes in and we're finally ticking every box before we get to the end. Okay, well, we'll be back next week where we'll be re- reviewing a big win over the Rams and looking forward to that Jags game against potentially Trevor Lawrence or potentially CJ Bethard, did we agree on? CJ, CJ, CJ Bethard. If you'd like to be involved with the show, as always, please email us at hello at ukravens.org. And until next week, let's go Ravens. Thank you for listening to the UK Ravens podcast. This podcast is created, hosted and produced by members of the UK Ravens. Join the community on social media at UK Ravens and facebook.com forward slash UK Ravens. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the UK Ravens podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen to your favourite podcasts. To be involved with the show, email us at ukravenshow at gmail.com. For more info, links and to stay up to date, visit www.ukravens.com. Massive win.